Radio shows you love from the people you know. This is Sam Talks Technology. Welcome once again to an exciting episode of Sam Talks Technology. My guest today is James Mulvaney, who's the CEO and founder of two exciting companies, Podcast.co and Radio.co. James, hello, how are you? Hi, Sam. Yeah, great, thanks. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Brilliant. Now, James, we're going to be talking about the future of radio podcasting. Mm. We're going to help people who are just getting started in podcasting as well and answering some of the more advanced questions around podcast discovery and getting your noise out there. But let's start off with one is podcast.co and radio.co. Okay, I'll start with radio.co, which we launched around five years ago in 2015. And that is a platform for anyone to start a radio station. So it handles everything from playing out the music through to streaming. Uh, through to looking at who's listening, how long they're tuned in for, from and, and providing reports on that. So it really is like a, a radio station in a box. But the great thing about the platform is you don't need to spend a fortune building a fancy studio because it's all cloud-based. So you can control everything through the browser. Podcast.co, we just launched uh, last year, actually in June. And we basically wanted to you know, keep the ethos of what we did with radio.co, build a product that was simple and easy to use, but allowed anyone to start a podcast. Now, so, so the platform's launched in June and it's, it's currently available. It's used, we've got over 2,000 podcasts on there now. So it's grown, grown quite nicely. But, you know, as I say, I think going into this stuff doesn't have to be complicated. And I think the, the beauty of these platforms is they just make it as simple as possible. Yeah, and, and that's the, the key to this, isn't it? I mean, people don't really want to understand the complexity behind it. Exactly. They just want to get their name on and what they want to talk about out there. Now, before we get on to podcasting, because obviously I'm in radio as well, I just want to ask a couple of questions. Sure. So roughly, if I was coming to you to set up my own radio station, is it an FM, DAB, online? What sort of licenses do I need? So, you know, do I need to go and get a Ofcom license before I come to see you about radio.co? How does that work? So radio.co is is really a tool set for broadcasters. So it will handle the the automation of your station. You can DJ from anywhere to anywhere. And you can also invite others to come and DJ on your station. So the the plans start at $29 a month. It's very, very affordable to get started. In terms of licensing, but, you know, out of the box, radio.co will provide you an internet stream. So that will be available to listen to on anywhere. So, so from anywhere on any device. So you can listen on your phone, on desktop, on things like smart speakers, etc. You have to, if you're going to be playing copyrighted music, obviously you need to go and get the relevant licenses. So in the UK, you need a license from PRS and PBL. One of the things we're actually looking to do this year is try and integrate this into our offering. So clients don't need to go and get these licenses separately. They just can effectively just check a box and have that bundled in with their plan. And then obviously, if you wanted to broadcast on, you know, on the sort of traditional radio waves over DAB or FM, um, you need to go and speak to Ofcom about that. You know, interestingly, I actually ran a DAB station here in Manchester for a couple of years. There's this new program called Small Scale DAB, which is great. It actually makes it quite affordable to kind of get online with, uh, get, you know, get on air with a DAB station in a sort of small kind of hyper-focused area. So yeah, we've seen lots of clients using it for, for, for traditional broadcast like FM, AM, DAB, as well as on, online ventures as well. Yeah, and on that, just a quick question, because you may have an opinion. Is, is FM dying and DAB the future or, or will both coincide with each other? Well, I mean, the question really is, is terrestrial radio dying and, and the internet the future? You know, more and more devices are becoming connected to the internet. You know, certainly with the internet of things coming around, you know, we're seeing cars that are wired up to 
4G or 5G without the need for for any kind of uh, you know plug into a mobile phone, so to speak. So I think really, is there any need to have these kind of old school frequencies bouncing around the airwaves when you can get all of that content plus a lot more, uh, you know, online? Yeah, I mean, I look at my teenage children and radio is just an anathema to them just as much as a uh, a cd would be you know they're on spotify netflix youtube yeah. um, they're not listening to radio one they're not looking for taste makers from those there is a massive growth in i suppose radio in talk radio more so mm-hmm. things like lbc talk radio talk sport those are the stations that are growing rapidly it's interesting to see how it's changing i think yeah and i think what dab has allowed for is more choice of stations you know just by the, the very nature of it and the kind of narrow bands that FM operate on, you can only have a certain number of stations, you know, on air in a, in a sort of certain area without lots of interference, et cetera. So DAB has allowed for a lot more choice. And that's why we've seen, you know, a lot of the bigger operators have started to introduce lots of different options. So they'll have like, you know, for example, absolute got absolute radio, seventies, eighties, nineties, noughties. Now, as soon as it's got to 2020, they've got absolute radio tens. So, you know, there's a huge amount of choice for consumers there. And, and, you know, a lot of the other radio network, networks are following suit, doing similar things as well, which is quite interesting. Yeah. But, you know, one of the great things with radio.co is it allows you to, you know, it allows broadcasters to sp- spin up lots of different channels very easily. So you, you don't have to have a lot of investment to start, say, five or ten different radio stations. And we're seeing a lot of customers doing this as well. Yeah, I mean, I think what one of the trends in radio, I mean, community radio, which is, you know, Marlow FM that I'm on, there are about 280 radio stations, and they, they're, they're doing very well as the BBC is looking to close local radio stations, and also Global and Bauer, the two big groups in radio, are beginning to aggregate all these shows, so you're beginning to see, I don't know, Hart run their breakfast show um, with Baby Spice and Jamie Theakston, across the whole country and have closed down like 20 different local breakfast radio stations. Yeah. I think it's a great shame in a sense. It is. Yeah. You know, all these stations have now been absorbed by two major operators and, you know, it it does take away the kind of uniqueness of each of them. And, you know, I think growing up in the sort of, I grew up in the kind of late eighties and early nineties and, and, and early 2000s and I used to listen to the radio as a kid all the time. You know, I was kind of still just, the internet was coming around just as I was growing up. So, I had that choice. I could I could go listen to music on, on my computer, but also I, I used to love listening to radio. And I think, you know, having local stations is really good because you get DJs who've got knowledge of the local area as well, which I think is really exciting. Exactly. And I think that's been lost. But, you know, hopefully community radio can replace it or, you know, people starting their own radio stations with radio.co, as we talked about. So, yeah, that's hopefully those local knowledgeable people can go and start that way. Yeah. Right, let's let's look at podcasting now. Now, mm-hmm. podcasting seven hundred and fifty thousand podcasts on uh, uh, Apple. I think it's now gone up to eight hundred and sixty thousand. Was the last figure I saw. I think Spotify is now at seven hundred thousand podcasts. It's going rapidly. Spotify is the number one platform in Europe outside of America. iTunes obviously still in America. So there's been a real interesting growth in podcasting. You talked about 2,000 podcasts on your own platform. Yeah. And that's a pretty rapid growth considering you only started podcast.co a couple of years back. So Yeah, well, I mean, we only launched in, in, in June last year. So it's been live for just over six, seven months, really. And so, again, same question. If I was coming to you, how do I start a podcast? What's the process 
Well, it's very straightforward. I mean, you know, first of all, I think it's very important that you've got to have a bit of an edge these days because yes, there's still a lot of opportunity. You know, there's less than a million podcasts. If you compare that to how many Instagram profiles there are or how many YouTube accounts there are, that's still like, you know, tiny amounts. I think there's only over 50, 50 million Facebook pages. So if there's only 800,000 podcasts to compete with and lots of people are listening to them, I still think there's a, go- it's a golden opportunity right now to actually, you know, have an impact and, and grab some of that, you know, some of those listeners. So the first things first is you need a plan. I don't think, you know, gone are the days where it's just two, two blokes in a pub sort of having a laugh. I think you need yeah. a, a strategy, especially if you're going to be using it to. Although Josh, Gro- uh, Josh, what's his name? Yeah, I think that he's just a basically a bloke sat down chatting about whatever he wants. He is, yeah, but he also makes, what is it, 30 million a year or something. So yeah, exactly. Think, you know, I think, but I mean, if, if you want to get cut through and you're not Josh Roten, I think you've got, to, you've got to have at least a little bit of a strategy. So I think that's first things first. It's okay. a good idea and have a little bit of a plan of action. I'm not saying you have to script everything, but certainly, you know, for example, if you're doing interviews, make sure you've kind of done your research on the guest. You've got some bulleted points to talk about. Maybe speak to them a little bit before. Once yeah. you've recorded your episode... Um, you then need to distribute it. So um, people assume that when you listen to a podcast, it's being streamed from Spotify or from iTunes. That's not actually the case. They're actually just directories. So you need to use a service like podcast.co, which will basically accept that upload and um, then turn it into something called an RSS feed, which is kind of a technical thing. But the way we've designed our service is that customers really don't need to worry about that. We do all that stuff for them. And then once you've published it to, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera, then it's about getting listeners. And I think a lot of people, again, assume that just because you publish it, they will come. Now, that, that's true to a certain extent, but I think you've got to probably spend as much time marketing and promoting your podcast as you do actually sort of concepting it and recording it. You know, you've got to have a good strategy and certainly it's, a, you know, a cross-channel thing. You, you should be pushing it out on your social profiles, on your website, as well as just relying on the traffic that's already on, you know, the, the directories. Yeah, I think think discovery, and we'll talk about discovery a little bit later on today. Yeah, um, it's one of the hardest parts. Okay, so I've come to podcast.co. I've chosen my name. I've got a brand. I've set it all up. I've got an idea of what I want to talk about. I invite some guests. I get it out there. How do I monetize this? I mean, currently the best ways of monetizing are. Um, you know, you, you can either go out and find a sponsor. You can use it as a platform to sell products, services. Um, you can, you know, have merchandise or you could use it to promote affiliate deals. There's loads of different ways that um, you can monetize a podcast. I'd say it really depends on who your audience are and, and kind of what you're trying to achieve. You know, again, we have a lot of, we work with a lot of corporate clients who the last thing they'd want to do is run adverts. You know, they're, they're using it as, a, as an engagement tool. They're using it as a business development tool or a marketing tool to attract more leads into their businesses. So, um, you know, again, you need to sort of think carefully about, you know, who you're trying to target and, and really what the end goal of, is of the product. Okay. I'm beginning to see through clients I work with, a lot of them actually replacing newsletters with uh, internal podcasts, yeah, which absolutely. I think that's another growth area for, because it's just such a quick way of creating the content and then distributing it internally. Yeah, for big, bigger client, for bigger um, companies, corporates, perhaps with distributed offices or staff all over the place, 
it's a really good way and, and more of an engaging way. And, you know, no one wants to read newsletters anymore. It used to be in the old days, you know, they'd put a newsletter in your pigeonhole and it turned into an email. But the thing is with stuff like that, it's just easily ignored. And also you've got to spend a lot of time reading it. Whereas if you have like a company podcast, for example, people can stick it on in the background. You could even put it on, in, you know, speakers in the office and they can kind of just digest it passively whilst they're cracking on with their work. So, you know, we've done a couple of projects. I think we've, we've done some work with the co-op, for example, on, on some, some internal podcasts. And, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's an exciting medium at the moment. Yeah. Now, okay, so let's start to have a little look. So, you know, we, we know that people are doing podcasting. Podcasting is called the new blogging. As you said, RSS, funnily enough, which is what the underlying architecture of it is, mm. is uh, and M- MP3s even, you know, 10 plus years old, you know, good old Netscape and Dave Weiner. But where do you see it going? Because actually, I think one of the other things I'm noticing as a trend is a return to blogging, strangely, as well, and quality blogging, long form blogging. So sites like Medium are seeing an uprise in the amount of readership that people are doing because they're sick and tired of the twitter 240 character or social media you know chip wrapper digital type content you know you know it just goes past your eye and it's like oh that's that and i think people are looking for more thoughtful content so i'm beginning to see blogging certainly coming back certainly in the group of people i spend a lot of time with Mm -hmm. and podcasting as a another means of communicating but both of them have that same underlying distribution mechanism, which is RSS. So do you think RSS has to evolve or does it have to die and something else come in? Where, where do you think we're going to go with, with all of the podcasting? I mean, it's a good question, isn't it? I think RSS as a format is pretty dated. I mean, you know, when you're building web apps, you never really use XML these days. It's all JSON. So I certainly think it could be made a lot more efficient. You know, we have a hell of a lot of headaches. You know, we see this on our system where people are importing feeds from other providers and you know that it's just a, a comp it can be a really complicated beast and uh, you, you know you need to make sure you get get it right and again different platforms read rss in different ways so there's all sorts of little caveats that kind of trip you up and 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 can you know can be quite problematic will it change i don't know i mean i think if, if you're going to change it it will need someone like spotify or apple to say right we're going to do things this way now we're going to implement a new standard and then hope that others follow of course the issue you may have if that happens is you know someone will want to try and gobble up and again spotify have come in very kind of cleverly over the last year or two and you know made some big acquisitions and really sort of tried to push yeah anchor gimblet they made another acquisition the other day yesterday yeah or the day before yeah so it's you know, they're really, really trying to push it because, and I think their reason for pushing it is really because they want to save money. You know, they've got so many clients who are streaming music all the time and their amount of royalties that pay on all this music is costing them a lot of money and effectively they're not that profitable. So what they're looking to do is try and shift listener time from, from you know, music which costs them money to podcasts which doesn't cost them anything you know so so i think will will spotify perhaps just build a a solution directly into their product where you can kind of just create a podcast maybe they might do that but then i kind of feel like if they do that the quality is just going to go down because but isn't that what anchor's supposed to do their acquisition but i mean if you look at anchor a lot of the podcasts on there kind of rubbish and a lot of them are you know just one episode someone's had a pop at it they've done one or two episodes and they've forgotten about it because it's free it tracks that kind of crowd if that makes sense whereas you know we we charge for our service so we see a lot better quality coming through yeah. our platform yeah i mean there is the oh i've tried anchor oh yeah i've tried it once didn't really work for me 
thanks. The, the, the company they bought, by the way, was called The Ringer, which is a sports network, which is interesting. So they're going for content acquisition as opposed to tools, which, you know, which Anchor is and Gimlet, and which is what podcast.co is. It's a tool, yeah, really. Effectively, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one of the other technologies that I'm hopeful that might get picked up, because again, when I, when I obviously use my own distribution platform, I'm using Simplecast today. One of the things is when I was on another platform, LibSync, it would take, I don't know, over an hour before Apple pushed my podcast out because their discovery mechanism is so poor. There is a technology that's, again, pretty old called WebSub or used to be called PubSub Hubbub, as you know, that does instant discovery. Now, Google seems to be the only person who's using it because guess what? PubSub Hubbub came from them. So it means that when I publish my podcast they instantly get a notification and they instantly dis- uh, publish it to google play which yep. is google's um, own podcasting directory now is is web sub something that you guys support or do you think it's just yes, red it herring no we we implemented it a month or two after we launched again i think it's one of these things you know we have we see actually now we've got more we've had you know we've got quite a few clients on the system we notice when something goes wrong. So for example, the other day, Apple weren't updating their feeds. I don't know why, nothing to do with us, nothing we can do about it. But you know, there was a, a period of I don't know, 12 hours or something where Apple, yeah. Yeah, they just it, weren't requesting new episodes. So we had loads of clients, of course, knocking on our door saying, uh, excuse me, I've just uploaded this episode and it's not on Apple. I'm, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. But again, I don't know if this is just a sign of, because obviously each time Apple wanted to discover a new episode, they have to request that RSS feed. They've got a huge amount of data to crunch now, you know, each, each and every day. I do notice some days the episode seems to appear a lot quicker than others. So, you know, again, if, if it was more like API driven, event driven, it would be a lot more efficient for everyone. But of course, it, the, the hard part would be getting everyone to agree on, on one sort of standard that everyone then follows. You know, or, yeah. or or is it just like eventually Apple might release their own API, Spotify might have one, and then it's going to make everyone's job a lot harder because effectively you've got to, you know, recognize each of these different standards. Yeah. Uh, and as you said, it's going to take a big player to shift the market. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So with podcasting, one of the other areas that's beginning to come into play, and I know you do analytics as well is measuring your audience. So a lot of people say, okay, so I've created my podcast, I've put it out there, it's all on the endpoints, you know, it's on everything that I can think of. Mm. Great, so I've got my distribution, I've done my social media marketing, I'm beginning to get clients, but how do I track the usage? How do I track how many subscribers I've got, how far? So for example, a lot of sponsors who come to me are saying, you know, so tell me how many downloads of your podcast there are. Tell me how many countries, but also tell me how far they listened in your podcast. How, you know, if it's a 35 minute podcast or an hour podcast, how long did they go into that podcast before there was drop off? Are they, are they the sort of analytics that you provide as well? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in the process of re-engineering a big part of our stats platform this year to support two standards, namely open downloads and RID. And these are basically, you know, open source standards, which are meant to make podcast stats better. Traditionally, the way you look at a podcast stat is you'll say, okay, well, someone's accessed a file, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they've listened to it. Yeah. Again, part of the problem is there's no standard way of measuring this because if someone's listening to a podcast within itunes on spotify only apple or spotify have that information 
they know how long someone's you know listened through or if they skip to say half halfway through or whatever you know they can they can only really see what's happening on that seek bar whereas we can say okay yeah they've accessed the file so we know that someone's accessed it but you know so the idea of these standards is they are going to hopefully make everything more accurate and make it fairer for for publishers and also make it fairer for advertisers as well so you're not just paying you know to put an advert on a podcast that yes has been downloaded but doesn't necessarily mean that someone's actually listened to it yeah so can you just for, for listeners what were those so one was called open downloads that's a standard was it yep open downloads and rad which uh, stands for hang on <laughs> Don't worry. remote audio data okay which is actually uh published by npr okay the american yeah, yeah. okay so a lot of podcasting hosts which again I assume you, you clarify, classify yourself as, are starting to use another standard for advertising, record, reporting the IAB standard. Now, the do you support IAB? We, we've implemented a lot of the requirements. The, the problem is to become IAB certified, there's quite a hefty fee for the audit, which, you know, kind of prices a lot of startups out, really. It's about, I think it's about 40,000 you know, it, it's, it is quite a lot of money just to have a, a sort of stamp, which I don't know how relevant it is, how, you know, if, if it's really mainstream. Again, it's, it's an organization, it's based in the USA. So the chances are the other standards might start coming in. So right now we've implemented most of it, but to actually become certified, it just costs so much money. Right. Yeah, I think you mentioned around 40,000 pounds. So I think, you know, following open standards an open source is probably the way to go because it's just fairer to everyone. It can be continually updated as well with technology. That's the benefit of open source. So, so yeah, I, I, that's, we're a big advocate of supporting open source technology. Okay. Uh, one of the big areas of contention ar- around podcasting is music or, you know, adding music to your show. You know, when, when people first start out podcasting, go, oh yeah, I'm going to have the, you know, I've heard every time I've heard somebody say they're going to start a show, it's the Desert Island Discs of, right? I'm going to have guests on and we're going to play their music and we're going to have a real great chat and then I'm going to put that out there. And then they suddenly find that, strangely, um, their podcast doesn't get picked up properly because the music within it, it means that it's either been blocked uh, by places like Facebook or Twitter or, or, or they, they suddenly find that they're getting a knock on the door from somebody, proverbially the knock on the door, saying you've used my music now where where do we stand in terms of using music within podcasts again it's a gray area at the moment i think currently the record labels are dead against it because effectively you're downloading a podcast you're dubbing that podcast to your computer that's the that's the term used in the uh, licensing world dubbing making a copy of Uh, so if you download a track uh, download a podcast which say contains you know five different tracks effectively they would argue, oh, you've got a copy of those five songs. So I think until the record industry wake up and realize this perhaps is a good opportunity for them, which probably might take another five or 10 years, let's be honest, it took, it took a long time for them to sort of get their heads around, okay, we could actually release music on the internet, didn't it? So I think it's a similar sort of story really at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I went to the PRS website to get a, try and see if I could get a license for podcasting, you know, to yeah. include music. And last year, there was a page that existed that was you could uh, apply for a license. Yeah. And, and then it went down a rabbit hole. 
this year there is no page again uh, i think this is a, it's because the record industry is sort of freaking out you know we i actually had you know a couple of music-based podcasts on the mcli platform that we had in manchester and we have one of these these mythical podcasting licenses which was you know pretty reasonable we paid a fee i think it was a couple hundred quid a year and it allowed so many downloads you know so many thousand downloads or whatever which would be enough for most sort of small to medium-sized businesses or most to small to medium-sized podcasts. Seemed quite fair, I thought. We paid it, obviously. You know, now it's, now it's vanished. And I, I don't really have anything more to say on it than that. But I, I think it's, you know, I think, I think there, there's a big opportunity, isn't there, to, to create music-driven content. And, you know, I, I think it would only be beneficial to the artists it would yeah i mean you know if i'm using so th- there was an element where you could sample uh, a track and again that's a gray area of how much you're allowed think, to sample yeah i think you're allowed to use 30 seconds but again that doesn't constitute legal advice so uh, yeah <laughs> don't quote me on that but I, I think it's 30 seconds you're allowed to use without without paying anything but you know it's uh, again a gray area okay so look I keep going back to it. We've come to podcast.co. I've created my podcast. It's up there now. Mm. I've got an audience. The analytics are beginning to work. So I can start to see. I do know a number of podcasters are not declaring all of their analytics. So, for example, people will tell you how many people downloaded it, how many countries. But they're very shy of telling you how long they listen to. What would you say is a good length for a podcast? I mean, I always recommend when clients ask us, between 20 and 30 minutes seems to be the norm. You know, again, it depends on your content. It depends on your audience and a number of different things. But for most people, they're going to be listening to a podcast whilst they're doing an activity such as driving to work, maybe doing a, tr- a train journey, going for a jog at the gym, doing some housework, cooking, you know, cooking some food, whatever it might be. So, you know, most tasks you do kind of 20 to 30 minutes. I think anything longer than that, you know, sometimes they have to listen to it in two sittings and quite often people just won't come back to it. So, you know, 20 to 30 minutes is what, what I suggest. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good length. In fact, a lot of mine have been much longer, so I'm trying to bring them down, down in length. The next area I want to look at is we talked a little bit about monetization. In the days of blogging, ad networks started to appear where you could inject, I guess, in your blog role, third-party interstitial ads. Do you see, i.e. yourselves or others, starting to allow you to inject audio ads into your podcast yeah absolutely i mean you know again i think you need to be careful that you know we're not disrupting a medium that so many people love because it it doesn't sound like the radio you know we haven't got annoying spot ads every 15 minutes so i think you know monetizing via other ways is completely okay it doesn't have to just be don't have to just assume that advertising is the best way forward but there are some really promising stats around advertising you know in podcasting um, most people listening to podcasts are generally you know have a good education have a higher income um, levels and a lot of people take action on ads that they hear on podcasts i don't know if that's just because they have this kind of credibility and trust but i think it's an interesting uh, you know it's an interesting stat anyway yeah, I mean, one of my uh, observations of trends at the moment is that there is a flight to quality and payment. And so yeah. let, me, let me try to explain that. So, for example, I pay now for Netflix. I pay for the Spotify rather than the ad-free version. I pay for the FT rather than get just, you know, snippets. I pay for a bit of medium. So I'm, I'm prepared to pay 
to find that extra element of quality. Do you think there will be a point at which people say, instead of having ads or, or pre-rolls, post-rolls, that there will actually be a point at which people will say, yeah, I'll actually pay to subscribe to someone's podcast? Yeah, and I mean, there's lots of podcasters that are making a lot of money just purely off listener donations. Some making as much as, you know, a couple of hundred thousand every single month just from listener donations. So, you know, and a lot of the time what they do is they'll have a, a second podcast or you can offer, you know, additional content for this kind of, you know, in exchange for a sort of a monthly. Normally it's quite low. Normally they'll have like, you know, $5 a month donation or $2 a month, but then they have lots and lots of people paying that. You know, so there is, a, you know, you can genuinely create a podcast that, that earns a lot of money and is, is entirely supported by listeners. But also there are other services out there. Illuminary, for example, is one where they're trying to almost craft like a Netflix of podcasting. So everyone has to pay for access, but you get lots of podcasts from celebrities and stuff that perhaps aren't available on the other platforms. So, you know, it's a bit like the Wild West at the moment. I think there's so many different options and, and so many people trying to corner different sections of the market, but there's no that's what I quite like about it. There's not, it's not, there's not just one service that seems to be dominant, you know, like YouTube came along and took the internet by storm, didn't it? Didn't it? And basically there was lots of other video sharing sites that sprung up off the back of YouTube, but none of them lasted very long. And then obviously Google swallowed up YouTube, you know, and it's just been the standard ever since. Well, with podcasting, it's a little bit different because it's not such a new thing. It's been around for years and years and there are so the ecosystem is so distributed. It's quite hard for someone to come in and do that. Yeah, I, I, I sort of feel, though, that the internet goes down to the power of one or at least two. So search, really, we, we Google stuff. We don't use Bing or, or very few people do. Yeah. We might use DuckDuckGo occasionally. As you said, YouTube tends to be the platform now. Yes, there were others, but that's the one. I do feel that there may be a worry that we will get down to winner takes all. One platform will dominate because it's invented some interesting uh, way of cornering the market but I don't know who that will be right now yeah we'll have to wait and see yeah okay one of the one of the players that we haven't really talked about is Google I mean you know Google is the search engine of choice as we were just saying they came up probably six months ago with something quite interesting where they've just said they're going to help with the biggest problem in podcasting which is discovery by gating those into the index yeah. now that's great, but it's a bit clunky at the moment. I mean, what are your thoughts? At the moment, you have to put the word podcast followed by the name of the podcast to find it. Um, so interestingly, just today, they've, they've actually okay. finally got a landing page for, for Google Podcasts. If you go to podcast.google.com, you can see an iTunes-style directory, you know, lots of pretty images of what the top podcasts are, what the trending ones are, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, you know, that's an interesting step forward. I kind of agree. I think it still feels a little bit. Uh, <laughs> now, okay. I've just gone there. You did say it was a pretty version. This looks like a typical Google page. It's, it, it's, it's, it's the, when you look at some of the nicer pages, your, your website, I say is beautifully crafted, right? Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> when, well, no, you know, uh, praise where praise is due. And I look at Google podcast page and it's like someone's just taken a bunch of icons and stuck them on a white background. It, really ropey yeah it's funny isn't it because google are such a huge company and they're only just starting to really pay attention to, to podcasts thinking it's like it's very they kind of realize oh we haven't really done it paid any attention to this and suddenly it's taking off so we best do something but they they could do so much better i agree it's interesting that you know even this has taken 
a year, I think it was about a year ago when Google first started adding podcasts to the listings. But like you say, still not that discoverable. The other thing that Google have got is a tremendous amount of compute power, which allows them to commute, uh, so to transcribe podcasts. So they can basically turn the audio into text and therefore make it more discoverable and more searchable, which is, you know, is very beneficial. Apple are also starting to do this. I think Spotify do too. So they're all, you know, you know, enabling people to not just look at the title of the podcast or what's in the description, but what is contained within the episodes. And again, I still think it's probably very early days. It's not that good, but I imagine with Google search technology, they're going to be, for, they're going to be way ahead of, of Apple and um, Spotify on that basis. So I imagine Google may sort of slowly, but surely start to kind of corner the market on that basis alone that people can find podcasts when they're looking for other stuff. Yeah, I think I think the goal has to be that they they auto transcribe stuff, and then from that auto transcription, mm. and when you do a normal search, the snippet from within the podcast also appears. Now there is some text based, you know, it, it could just be the snippets from the podcast appears, but as a text listing, but mm. then you can listen to it, you know. Yeah, you can jump to the relevant part of it. There is a thing within podcasting that's chaptering, so. I think it's an Apple standard where you can actually go in and you can structure your podcast with chapters, but nobody ever seems to use that capability. Have you ever come across it? Yeah. Again, it was one of these things, you know, I'm, I'm aware of it. And we, we were talking about, do we build this into our platform when we were sort of working on the, uh, the sort of MVP last year? And it just, it hasn't come up a lot of times. And I, I, I don't know. I just, you're right. People just don't seem to use it. It's, it's there. It works. But again, I think part of the problem is it works on Apple podcasts or iTunes or whatever you want to call it, you know, but it, a lot of the other players won't support it or don't recognize it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would wish, I wish more people did because I would use it because I think actually in a longer podcast, I mean, just take this podcast for now, for example, yeah. I'd love to structure it as the first part, you know, talking about your company, the second bit talking about the industry and the tools and the growth. And then the last part talking about the future of podcasting, I could have, three chapters within my podcast mm. and you know you as a listener could then go actually i don't really need that first bit but no i'm going to jump to that futures bit and that would give them some structure but i have to now either manually go at at 27 minutes past in the hour you know we started talking about i don't know google for example and that that's just so clunky and time consuming to do absolutely yeah and you know a lot of people just you know, the, the other thing as well is, is, is podcasts are ever evolving. You're constantly pushing out new content. It's, it, it is evergreen. It's always there, but listeners always want to hear what's the latest thing. So there is a certain pressure on people to kind of constantly push out new content. And the more stuff you do around that can, you know, just be a big drain on time ultimately. So one of the areas that um, I think is going to happen is podcast SEO will have to come from it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which you know, is, is, is going to be one of those crazy things where you're actually going to have to think about what you title as your podcast and also how you speak within your podcast, I guess. Yeah, potentially. I think people already consider this to some extent. You know, people spend a long, lot of time quite often writing show notes or, or basically a description for, for the episode just to make sure that they've got all the key errors and covers put, uh, you know, covered off in, in that. Also, you know, title, you know, the podcast itself is important. You know, you want to make sure that, you're trying to reach people who perhaps weren't aware of you. So I think it's always already to a certain extent, you know, at the forefront of what people are thinking about when they're actually pushing episodes out. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm more worried about having to go and say the word sound talks technology every 30 minutes within it, you know, a podcast. So it's just picked up as SEO as a key word, you know, I wouldn't want to do that. So yeah, I think podcast SEO for discoverability will be something that we all have to keep an eye on. Okay, so let's look at it in the round. I think it's a growing medium. Is it here to stay? Yes, I would, I would imagine so. On, on what basis? It, it, you know, it, it comes and goes, you know, I, I guess we've had flavors of other technologies. Blogging was the thing that everyone did, and then it disappeared when, when we... I think blogging disappeared, if we're honest, because we weren't sure that people were discovering all the work we were putting in. Potentially, but, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure blogging has ever disappeared. I mean, I think certainly for, you know, there's lots of written content on everyone's website now. If you compare websites to what they used to look like 10 years ago, you know, sometimes, you know, a small local business might have like five different pages on a site, whereas now generally lots of, lots of sites have got lots of pages with different forms of content, video, written content, etc. So I don't think blogging ever went away, but I think podcasting is here to stay purely just because, and I think one of the reasons it's taken off is because everyone's more connected, aren't they? You know, the advent of things like 4G, I mean, you can stream, you have to, in the old days, you had to download a podcast onto your computer, transfer it to your iPod, and, you know, that was really reserved for the kind of proper enthusiasts. Nowadays, you know, you can just, if you think you want to listen to something, you can just find it and listen to it wherever you are pretty much. And it's always going to be reliable and, and good quality, et cetera. So I think that's potentially, you know, why it's taken off. Also things like smart speakers, which, did, which everyone has in their homes now, um, you know, a sort of direct route into audio on the internet, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, Amazon, for example, I'm an Alexa developer. Amazon have announced that, uh, the first version that they used to have was something called flash briefings. So you had to upload, in effect, your RSS feed to them and then flag it as a flash briefing. And now you don't even have to do that. You just simply have to let them know it's a podcast and then they will publish it. And then you can ask your Alexa to uh, literally just play that flash briefing. Uh, not Sorry, it's play that podcast. You don't even have to say flash briefing anymore. Yeah, we we actually messed around with flash briefings. Uh, we we created one for 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 the podcasting world. Had some success with it, you know. Again, there's not that many people creating them at the moment, so there is potentially an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I've got one called Sam Talks Daily, which mm. is a flash briefing or a podcast. It doesn't have to be a flash briefing. Okay, well, lastly, how can people find you? Let's let's talk about if you know if somebody's listened to this show, they thought, "Yep, I want to start my own podcast." Where do they go? Go to podcast.co. If you want to start a radio station, radio.co. Nice and easy to remember. There's loads of resources. We're, we're big on creating content, so we've got lots and lots of information to help people on their way on both, both sites about both mediums. And lastly, you just launched this week a new service called Matchmaker. What's that? So Matchmaker is designed to connect guests with podcasters. So I'd say probably 60% of podcasts are reliant on interviews, just like the one we're on right now. And there is no sort of one way of finding people. There's lots and lots of little tricks and tips you can use. But we wanted to create a platform that was just, you know, made for people looking for to, 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 to speak to people. So it's, it's, it's already had over 100 signups and we only launched it on uh, Wednesday. So like just over 48 hours, we've had 100 signups 
it's still kind of in beta. We're sort of finishing getting it out the door, but I've got a really good feeling about it. I think it's going to be really useful to, to a lot of people to make connections and, and, and also just improve the quality of, of, of people that are appearing on the shows. And if you're, say, a public speaker or you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to get some publicity about a new product or a new venture, appearing on podcasts is a fantastic way to do so. And I just think it's a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Is there, a, is there a revenue model in it or is it just a gratis model or how's the model work? To begin with, it's completely free. Uh, will we monetize it? I'm hoping so at some stage, yeah, but I think it probably won't be, won't be straight away. It'll be you know, maybe a year, year down the line. Really what we want to do to begin with is just introduce as many people as we can and create those valuable connections and then sort of take it from there. Brilliant. James Mulvaney, uh, CEO and founder of podcast.co and radio.co. Thank you very much. It's been brilliant talking to you. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you, Sam. That show was amazing. To listen again, please visit our website, marlofm.co.uk or visit our Facebook group, Sam Talks Technology. And now you can subscribe on iTunes. Never miss a show again. See you next week. Same time, same place.